I'm Elena Hudgens-Lyle. And I'm Harvinder Vadva. We're the hosts of Inappropriate Questions, and we're back with Season 3. With some fantastic guests, we break down questions like... Is asking where are you from appropriate small talk? Is it okay to ask a co-worker how much do you make? Should you ask a polyamorous person, do you get jealous? Inappropriate Questions Season 3. Available now on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. This is White Coat Blackheart. In light of the overdose crisis that's killing thousands of Canadians every year, we wanted to rebroadcast this episode from January. It's about one organization doing its best to help despite some steep odds. I'm in Pleasant Hill, a triangle-shaped part of Saskatoon, just west of the South Saskatchewan River. The province and the federal government are trying to revitalize this older inner-city neighborhood. The province has had more than 1,200 overdose deaths since 2020. That's according to the Saskatchewan Coroner Service. Fueled by injection drug use, the province also has the highest rate of HIV in Canada. Pleasant Hill is also home to a treatment facility that's pushing back. A place that thrives here, despite some very steep odds. Oh, hi. Is that the entrance? No, it's uh, on the side to Prairie Harm. Over here? Yeah. Okay. I'm directed to a discreet door at the end of a side alleyway. That door? Hey, thanks. As we'll learn a bit later, the front door is only for clients who use the safe consumption site. This is Prairie Harm Reduction a one-stop whose mission is to help prevent overdoses and drug toxicity and improve the quality of life for at-risk people with HIV, hepatitis C, poverty, and precarious housing. Hi, there. Hi I'm Brian Goldman. I'm from CBC. I'm uh, here yes. to see Kayla. Kayla, in the blue office. In the blue office. Thank you. Inside, a coffee pot at the entrance, a large open area with lots of clients sitting on chairs and sofas, some sleeping, others just hanging out. To my left, a row of rooms for one-on-one counseling, crammed with donated non-perishables and harm reduction kits. Kayla in the blue office. I am Kayla in the blue office. Brian Goldman here. That's oh, Kayla DeMong. She runs the place. How are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? Behind the blue office sits one of Saskatchewan's few safe consumption sites. The story of its very existence and who's paying to keep the lights on is why I'm here. My name is Kayla DeMong. I'm the Executive Director at Prairie Harm Reduction in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Lead the way. All right, so this is our safe consumption site. Um, we opened this site in October of 2020, so we just celebrated our two-year anniversary. We are known for some special reasons, one of which being that we have no provincial funding for our operations for our safe consumption site. We've been denied funding three years in a row. So um, we operate this site thanks to the generosity of the people of Saskatchewan and the small businesses who have dug deep into their pockets for the last couple of years to make sure our doors can stay open. How much? (laughs) They're covering all the operations for this program. So our donations are covering approximately $350,000 a year. That's generosity. (laughs) It is generosity. So in our safe consumption site, we have seven booths. We also have what was the only smoking room in Canada for a long time, um, but it's now one of two smoking rooms in Canada. We can accommodate ingestion, injection, inhalation, and snorting of substances, so we don't turn anybody away. 
Um, that was very important. We had the privilege of purchasing this building and designing the whole building around the HVAC system to run the inhalation room. And so in this space, we have murals up on the walls. We have art up on the walls. We have plants everywhere. We try and make it as comfortable of a space as possible. The other thing you have are a series of pipes that are for venting off the, uh, the fumes. Yes, so we have a ventilation hood over each booth, and then our inhalation room runs on a separate HVAC system that does a rapid air exchange. And in cases of emergency, we have a button that we can push, and within 30 seconds, the air is completely exchanged with fresh air. And, and what dangers are you trying to avoid? So that just protects staff from any secondary inhalation, anything that's been um, being cooked in there, smoked in there, um, just keeps the air quality at a high standard so that our staff are safe. And you've got room for seven people here. And uh, what are your hours of operation? So currently, we operate the safe consumption site Monday to Wednesday, 10 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. and Thursdays and Fridays, 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. How vital a role do you play in procuring supplies for the people who come here? So one of the benefits of the site is that we do have supplies for everybody that accesses services. They're all disposed of within the building. Nothing that's used here leaves the building, which makes um, lessens the risk of um, inappropriately discarded using supplies in our streets. We have a lot of issues with that in our community. There's a, there's been a, a rise in HIV, I gather. So we, hepatitis, I would, hepatitis C yes. as well. So Saskatchewan has had nation-leading transmission rates in both of those areas um, for over a decade. Our HIV transmission rates are two times the national average with intravenous drug use being our primary method of transmission. And we have been very unique in the country in that way for over a decade. And so when we started looking at the safe consumption site and opening this building, the talk was around lessening HIV transmission. We weren't dealing with a lot of overdoses at the time. In saying that, the last three years, we have entered into quite an overdose crisis here. And um, at this time, we do offer the fentanyl and benzo testing strips in the site. We are in the process of setting up a spectrometer that can do um, or allow us to do better drug testing and do better education for the people that are accessing services here. Kayla says they've put a lot of thought into designing a place to meet the needs of the people who access services here. One of the things when we designed the building was we wanted people who were accessing the safe consumption site to come in through the front of the building. Um, many of our services in our city and throughout our province um, that are designed for people that use substances require people to enter through alleyways, side doors, back doors, and are often separated from the rest of the community that's accessing supports there. So we see that with a lot of our needle exchange programs, um, our methadone distribution, right? They're very separated. We wanted people to come in right through the front door, know that they don't have to hide, that this is a safe place, that we're not trying to keep them hidden from anything, um, and enter into a space that feels really good. Um, when they come in the front door, they're greeted by a support worker who asks them some very basic questions. It's like any safe consumption site around um, name. It doesn't have to be their real name, what they think they're using. Do they want it tested? When did they last use? Have they had any recent overdoses or toxicity issues? And then when it's their turn, they move into our safe consumption site. 
So once people are done in our safe consumption site, we don't have timing on people. Um, one of the unique things that we offer here is peer-supported injection, so people can bring in a buddy if they need help with their using, um, which means that it gets pretty busy in here. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but if they don't want to leave the space right away, um, we do have a couch that they can hang out on. Um, the paramedic can continue to monitor them. The staff can continue to monitor so you them. Have a paramedic on site. We have a paramedic on site. Yeah, um, we started the site with only paramedic staffing. We are in the process of hopefully in the new year integrating nursing staff into the site as well. In the safe consumption site, I got to meet a client. My name is Derek Clayton Charles. I'm from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. How long have you been using the safe injection site here? Uh, since it opened for the last two and a half, three years or so. How often do you come here? Uh, every day, pretty much. Do you use every day? Yes, I am. I'm a frequent user, yeah. What do you use? Uh, I use hydromorphone, crystal meth, fentanyl. How do you use? Uh, I just smoke it. And and uh, how safe were you before this place opened? Uh, before this place opened, I was like, I was ODing like uh, probably twice a week before that. And then after this place opened, like I like I stopped like I don't know like just being around the area and like the surroundings. It's, it's a little bit more safer to do it here and like you don't want to get too carried away because you see other people overdosing and like they're turning gray blue like they're like they're dead then are you saying you haven't overdosed since you've been here yes i have not overdosed since i've been here yet wow uh, why why do you think that that's the case uh, probably just the people and everything else and just like walking into a place like this, like seeing some people overdosing and not only that on the streets every day. A lot of times I go through the streets of Saskatoon and I find anywhere from like one to 15 people overdosing and them having, so I carry a lot of naloxone on me because my brother, my brother died of a heroin overdose and this is the first, first time trying it. So and all I needed was more naloxone, so I carry more naloxone because that's, you know, that's all my brother needed was more. All he had was one injection, and it took the paramedics 30 minutes to get to, to where he was two blocks away from the hospital. Like, that's all he needed was more naloxone, and, but he didn't make it. He died, so. I'm sorry. That's why I'm here every day, pretty much. Oh. I couldn't save him, but, you know. You're helping other people? Can help other people yet. You like to hand out naloxone kits? Yeah, and out and like make people more aware of how dangerous it is for like fentanyl use and like heroin and stuff like that. Tell your brother's story so that as a warning. Yeah, yeah, I do. Derek, um, when you use here, do you use alone or do you use with a peer? I always sit here with somebody else, like uh, one of my family members or whatever. This supervised consumption site prevents clients like Derek from overdosing and having toxic ingestions. But Kayla says there's more to the program. And so once they are done in here, they move into our 
um, drop-in center. And again, this was a very intentional way we designed the building so that people who were using the site were more likely to stay after they used. And so they come through a door. Okay. So once they're done in the site, they come into the drop-in center, which is a very busy site. Um, we are the only uh, Derek, when you aren't using here, what else, what other services do you use here at uh, Prairie Harm Reduction? Uh, they have a lot of programs, like a lot of help with housing, medical, like uh, they have nurses here that help with, like have C treatments and stuff like that. And you've, you've received treatment here? Yes, I have. What kind? Uh, the hep C treatment, I'm still... Um, hep C, hepatitis C. Hepatitis C, yes, I'm still um, uh, doing the treatment right now, and like it's been four weeks now, so I have another two weeks, hopefully, with the medication. It's expensive treatment. Yes, it is very expensive, yeah. What else uh, have you, have you had help with housing here? Uh, they help out with housing, yeah, housing and, uh, like, I also get my mail here. They did, they were doing my, helping me with my income tax. Pretty much, like, just helping people, like, uh, integrate into society, you know? Like, is, like, this is pretty much rock bottom, like, you know? Kayla says they can take some clients well beyond rock bottom. It's a really nice community. Um, we run an employment program out of our drop-ins. We employ people who access services to help run our drop-in. Um, so a lot of the staff that we see around are people who are accessing services, who are able to gain some employment, gain some skills. We have been able to move people from casual employment in that program to part-time and full-time employment, doing case management and naloxone distribution. And so really provide that training. They're paid at the same wage scale as everybody else for the agency. There's no tokenism. We don't have any, any positions that we designate as peer positions. They're all support workers and all have the equal access to training, resources, benefits, everything. We have a clinic space. And so one of the things in our drop-in center is we bring other services in for people. So we have a nurse practitioner here from Saskatoon Sexual Health here two afternoons a week. They also have a mental health nurse, elder support services, art therapy, even pet therapy. Sure, sounds fine. We'll be right back. How do you forget your favorite person in the world? 30 years ago, my 14-year-old brother was killed by a speeding police car. And just a week or two after he died, I started to forget him. But what if I could get my memories back? I'm Alex McKinnon, and Sorry About the Kid is a new four-part series about what happens when trauma and memory collide. It felt like something was being torn out of my brain. Just somebody just tore a piece of flesh out. Sorry About the Kid is available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to White Coat Black Art. This week, Prairie Harm Reduction is making a huge difference in the lives of people in Saskatchewan hard hit by substance use. The people here also run an eight-unit apartment building that last year provided temporary housing for a 1,000 families. And they have residences for youth ages 16 and older who've been kicked out of government housing for breaking rules like continuing to use drugs. Executive Director Kayla DeMong says funding for some of those services, for example, the youth services, are provided through contracts with the province. The thing is, for the two years the Safe Consumption site has been running, it has received no government funding. How challenging has it been to get this place going? It's been a massive challenge. 
it's just astonishing. And we've never been able to get a clear answer from our province as to why there's a lot of political, you know, jargon that's used and, you know, dancing around things. We've seen an increase in investment in treatment programs, but anything harm reduction, we're seeing very small investments in what I've called, what I've kind of termed pacifier initiatives. Like What does that mean? Like vending machines with using equipment and things that other provinces like BC started 20 years ago. <laughs> we're seeing them and they're small financial investments from the province. And I call them pacifiers because I think they're done hoping that it would make us shut up, but it's not working. And so the second year, we really didn't know at that point what we were going to do for operations. Like we knew we could, we had enough money to go a little bit further. And despite the world still being shut down because of COVID, within a few weeks of that denial or about a month of that denial, small businesses had raised $180,000 for us. Hello, I'm Brian. Hi. You John? Yeah. My name is John Ashenbrenner. I'm a residential realtor in the beautiful city of Saskatoon. John Ashenbrenner is one of the local business people who helped pay for prairie harm reduction. So tell me about your involvement with prairie harm reduction. So I've seen prairie harm reduction over the years, and I've seen what these folks have done for the community of Saskatoon and the province. And with the way the government treats them financially, it was my obligation to step in to help. I'm a successful, thriving realtor in this city. I'm very privileged, so it was just an obligation that I had to step in to donate a portion of my uh, sales to prairie harm reduction. What do you think uh, made you want to contribute so much to, to this particular project? Organizations like this always need more money. Money is never enough. I just felt like I needed to step in. And if people that are addicted to substances are living a better life and a healthier life, the entire province and city are living a better life. Can you say more about that? Just with, as a queer man, the reduction of HIV and hepatitis, that just warms my heart for anything that reduces HIV infection and hepatitis. In the 70s, 80s, and 90s, it was like a queer man's disease through intercourse, but in the modern day, injectable drugs is a leading factor of HIV. And if people have a safe space to do it and a clean needle, that's magic. You know, you're a contributor, and there are many other businesses that have been contributors. What do you think of the work they're doing, they're, what they're accomplishing here? What they're accomplishing is something I haven't seen before. A safe consumption site is not the norm in today's society, but as life progresses here, as the politicians wake up, I hope it becomes the norm, and there's more organizations like this all over the city, all over the province, all over Canada and the world. Kayla DeMong says John Ashenbrenner has been a consistent supporter, but he's not the only one. And we just saw this insane outpouring of support. We had like the Broadway theater sold popcorn out their front door. They weren't open. Um, they weren't open because weren't of COVID. Because of COVID. We had restaurants doing delivery specials for us. The Why? Donut company selling donuts. Why? Why would they do this when, <laughs> when in other many other communities it's not in my backyard? You know, and talking about it makes me really emotional because it was never 
something that we thought was going to happen. We did a lot of consultation when we announced the opening of the site and we saw we did 20 days two tours a day of people, the public coming through. And we saw people coming in who were quite oppositional when they came in and left and, you know, with a lot of support for us. Saying like, <laughs> how, how can I contribute? Yes. And handing us checks at the back end. How did they the hear tour. about this place to take tours? We became very public. We did an announcement very publicly that the site was opening and that we were building the site here. Um, and the day that we announced the police, the mayor, and fire made public statements in support. So it became a very newsworthy thing. We were the only site in Saskatchewan. Nothing like this had ever been done here. And so we became very popular on news <laughs> outlets. It sounds like the only people who, who weren't in favor were the province. Yeah. And that's what we've seen. And I think, you know, this has been a really good example that the voice of a provincial government isn't always the voice of the citizens. And we've seen funders come forward with money and support for this site. And a lot of anonymous donors come forward who are very um, avid supporters of our provincial government, but didn't think that the decision not to fund us was appropriate. Um, The Ministry of Health does fund our case management team here. And so they have our deliverables, they have the data, they know our engagement levels. And so the wall that's been put up around the safe consumption site and that funding is really rooted in discrimination and this belief that people who use substances don't deserve help while they're using and that people only deserve help when they want to enter into recovery and live a life of abstinence and that you know is a deeply ingrained cultural issue that we deal with not just in Saskatchewan, where we have this idea that people use drugs are bad and we have to make the bad people good. And the way to make them good is to put them in treatment centres. You've been operating for two years now. What results are you seeing here? So over the last two years, and we just celebrated our two-year anniversary, um, we've seen an increase of engagement. Um, Our second year of operation saw just over 600 people accessing the safe consumption site alone. Um, we are seeing a pretty impressive turnout with community being built around the site. People feel safe here. They feel engaged here. We have people coming in who aren't engaging in supports anywhere else that we are linking with case managers and medical care and mental health care, um, and really providing a safe space and, you know, able to do a lot of education, a lot of abscess care, wound care, um, and really um, be that intervention for people. A lot of people around here are very, very um, fearful of medical care and accessing medical care. They're not treated very well when they try to access medical care. We're very fortunate to be located between Westside Community Clinic, which is our primary health center for the for this population, and STC's health center. Um, which is our province's largest needle exchange program. And they also have walk-in addictions counseling and elder support um, weekly over there as well. So we're very well situated to link people to services here and be that bridge. And we've seen that over and over and over again, people coming in who are fearful of accessing supports and because of our engagement and our relationships with them are able to help bridge that and re-engage them with those supports. I want to take it back to the people who use this, the, this, this site. 
You must have stories of people who uh, have have uh, found a home here mm-hmm. and and are doing better as a result. Yeah, I think the stories. You know, there's been so many over the years. Um, we work with such a high volume of people. Some of the incredible things and the ones that I find really powerful are the people who engage in employment here. Um, our employment program offers opportunities to people who aren't able to gain traditional employment, um, often because they are homeless and actively using substances, maybe have very complex mental health needs, um, and often have very extensive criminal records. And so we offer them some skills. You know, they start off by making coffee and helping, you know, people navigate the building. But what we have seen over the years, we have one fellow that just moved into a full-time case management position in our safe consumption site. He has no formal education. And so his access to do jobs like this would be pretty limited. Um, But, you know, he has tremendous skills and that you know we sometimes forget that skills don't always come from education prairie harm reduction's hiring model as a whole we only have one position that requires a specific designation and that's our paramedic Um, no amount of living experience makes you a paramedic (laughs) but for all of our other positions right from frontline to management i myself as executive director i don't have a university degree our staff come with living experience and they come with that passion for harm reduction and connection. And so, you know, we're able to build people up through this employment program and we're seeing, you know, wonderful results. How do you feel? How does it make you feel knowing he's here and he's, he's coming every day? It's super cool. Like it's super awesome. And it just, you know, the key to our success. And I get asked this a lot, especially by police who have said like, why can so-and-so be there all day and be fine? And then they go somewhere else when you close and I'm arresting them. And And that's still happening. And it still happens. Right. And like, my answer is like, we're just really nice people here. Like that's the magic to what we do. Everybody's treated with dignity. We're always happy to see people. We don't ban people from services. And it really does have a huge impact. At the end of the tour, Kayla shows me some of the merch they sell to raise cash and spread the word. We have water bottles and t-shirts and hoodies. Uh, how many, any idea how many units of these you've sold? How many t-shirts you've sold? Because I, I met somebody last night who bought a t-shirt. So I don't even know how many we have sold. I can tell you that on launch days, we average about 300 orders in a 12-hour period. Nice. <laughs> so it's no shortage. Kaylee says Prairie Harm Reduction can run without government funding for the time being. They've broken the mold that says you can't run a place like this without government funding, at least for now. We asked the Saskatchewan Ministry of Health why they didn't fund the Prairie Harm Reduction Safe Consumption Site. The province provided a statement saying it is spending $3.8 million on projects that are priorities for fulfilling their harm reduction strategy. Since this episode aired in January, Prairie Harm Reduction has learned it won't receive any of the province's addiction funding for a fourth year. That's our show this week. If you'd like to comment, our email address is whitecoat at cbc.ca. This episode of White Coat Black Art was produced by Sujata Berry, with help from Jeff Goods, Stephanie Dubois, and senior producer Colleen Ross. Our digital producer is Ruby Buiza. That's medicine from my side of the gurney. I'm Brian Goldman. See you next week. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.